You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Reality Reno with Mitch and Mark. Marky? Mitchie? We had a fun week this week. Got out and about. You know what? It was like a little bit like... The old days, because we went in to see a performance in the city in the Spiegel tent in Sydney. And it was um, a bit risque, to say the least. Risque probably is an understatement, really. Yep, it was sort of like the like travelling to 1920s, 30s Berlin, yeah. but with a really modern take on the burlesque theme. And, oh, my God, they were so talented. It was pretty incredible. So this is a show called Bernie Dieter's Club Cabaret. And uh, for anyone in Sydney, you should go and see it. It's in the Spiegel tent down at Circular Quay in the Roxburgh. One of the interesting things for me, Mitch, is going back into the city. We went in to have a drink beforehand, and it felt really weird because we haven't done it for so long. Well, yeah, and it's still and it's still lacking um, people. I actually yeah. had a night away this week. I went to the um, Gourmet Traveller Awards event in Melbourne. Yeah, um, first night I've been travelling without you for I don't know how long. I reckon it's been the two years of COVID. But I thought Melbourne was um, was even worse than Sydney in that they just lacked people. So people, we need to get back. The cities are open. We Let's do. We need to get back and enjoy and support those businesses and really the heart of the city. But I, it's the same. It was fun to go. It was oh, fun. It was so much fun. And people cheered. At the end of it, people cheered as much because I think everyone understood it had a feeling of or whatever the new norm is, but a feeling of going back and engaging in social activities, and people were so happy. Absolutely, Mark. Incredible show. Absolutely. The show was great. The cities are great. Let's get back to the cities. There's real estate sitting there waiting for us to take advantage of it. And speaking of real estate... Well, speaking of real estate, our next guest is a real estate guru, and you would have probably seen her on a whole lot of shows on TV. She's kind of a, I guess, mentioned, kind of a spokesperson. She heads up Domain. Domain. Yes, we're talking about Alice Stoltz. Yes, Alice Stoltz, the wonderful, intelligent, um, very funny Alice Stoltz. So Alice is the um, the uh, creative director and activations. She's head of um, content, creative content. She was the national editor for Domain magazine. You've seen her on the block. We first met her on the block. So she's the person who turns up and talks about real estate and what really people are looking to buy and keeps reminding people this is about a real estate competition. But she's got all the information on what's happening in the trends, what's happening with home loans, what's happening in, you know, all of the different segments of the market. They have so much information. And it's not just about people buying real estate. It's also renting, like, Domain covers the whole tangent of real yeah, estate. buying, a, selling, renting. There's a lot going on and it'd be interesting to get Alice insight. Also, she's had a pretty diverse background, um, living a, living abroad yep. and uh, coming from a journalistic background. Yeah, as a journalist. So, it's you know, we wanted to sit and talk with Alice because we've always had a lot of fun with Alice, um, but she's very, very clever at what she does. And I think you'll learn a lot from this interview. 
I think so. So um, take notes, guys. Yeah. So one. we are so pleased and thrilled to introduce to you, our listeners, Alice Stoltz. Mikey, I'm super excited to have our guest this week. I think it's the we could call her the queen of real estate. I think you might be right. Fabulous, fabulous. Miss Alice Stoltz. Hey, Alice. It is such a pleasure to be here. Thank you both for having me and anointing me queen. I mean, <laughs> what's, what's not to love about that? Who else is there? Seriously, you're the well, one. I think it's true. You're queen of real estate property in Australia. Well, I'll happily take that title. I'll very happily take that. Thank you. So, Alice, for our listeners and many of our listeners will have seen you on the block, but also on today's show and a lot of media um Appearances where you're talking about property, but just can let them know what do you do for a job done? Yes. Well, I have the best of all worlds, really. I get to be involved with the block each year. I get to talk about property across the nine network. I also get to look after a wonderful magazine team that we um, produce wonderful magazines that come out through the Sydney Morning Herald and the Financial Review and the Age every week. So I kind of think I have it all, if I could say that, because I kind of go high, low, you know, in in many different ways. But really, I just live and breathe property on a day-to-day basis. And of course, Alice is talking domain. Yes. You've got a very highfalutin title, I think, don't you? I think I probably do. I actually have lots of different titles depending on which hat I'm wearing, but (laughs) basically I'm the domain property expert. So whenever anyone needs to talk property, which is often given that we are in Australia and it is a national obsession in Australia, I'm usually the person um, that they kind of give a a tingle to and I come in and, and, and chat property and help people make sense of it because it can be a really complicated topic. So we try to make it as simple as possible so everybody can understand of it and have a piece of the pie if they so choose. Yes, and it it is a national obsession for Australians, property, getting into property, being in property, improving property, selling property. And And buying the next one. And buying the next one. And you know what? Maybe we can start. What I found interesting during the COVID period, when that started, I thought property would go down. And we had bought into Newport. I said to Mitch, hold on to your hat. Let's just bunker down because it's going to get crazy. And it did, but not in the way I thought. But we off- And we also offloaded our Bondi property um, for, you know, we really, we let it go because we thought the safest thing was to get yes. out of that one, which we should have hung on hung Alice, on to. what happened? Look, I mean, you were not alone in thinking that, Mark. I mean, CBA at the time predicted the market would crash some 30% or so, and many other commentators did as well. Perhaps not that extreme, but many people did think that would happen. And now with the sort of um, clarity of hindsight, and I do acknowledge this is very easy to say now, but it, I, you sort of do think, well, why do we all think that? Because, of course, we had the Prime Minister up telling us to all stay at home. So really, you could we probably should have all paused a little bit and thought, home is going to become the place to be. It's going to be more important than ever. And I think that's what did happen. And what also helped, I think, fuel the market was that people were saving a lot of money. And and not everybody, but many people were because they weren't travelling, they weren't going out, they weren't hot-footing it off to Zara to buy something on the weekend. They were literally just staying at home and only really paying for their streaming, streaming subscriptions and a bottle of wine and their takeaway tie each night or something. So Why only one people, bottle of wine each night? It might have been more in some cases. There were there might have been some low points there. Alice, <laughs> it's funny you say um, that people were just you know won't be dug off to Zara as regularly. 
And I thought, thought to myself, oh, proud of your Gucci, those ones too. No, <laughs> any, any, anywhere for that matter. But, but discretionary spending certainly changed. I suppose that's my point. So that's people true. all of a sudden had more money, realised that really everything is about the home and creating this cocooning environment. And I also think it was fueled by shows such as The Block, all the Renault shows and people looking around, looking at the four walls around them and thinking, my gosh, what am I doing with my life? If I'm going to be stuck here, I want to make it amazing. How do I do that? How do I start? Because as I said, property can be really daunting for many people. So, But we all have this time and space metaphorically to actually think, what what am I doing here? And I think a lot of investment then went into property. That's that, you know, it's very true. A number of our guests early in the podcast who don't come from property backgrounds or renovation backgrounds all commented that in lockdown, they saw their property differently. They they lived differently in the space. So one of the ones, Colin Fasnich and his wife, Jane Highland, who their lives were based on restaurants. So how they lived in their home, so different. And they said, during lockdown, they suddenly realised where the sun came into the garden at the front and that they weren't using that space because they were never home to use it. But they changed that and they created a little garden out there and setting. And I think we all learnt more about what we loved and what we hated about our properties. Yes. Absolutely. And I think we also became a bit sort of pluckier. And what I mean, what I mean by that is we became sort of a bit braver and thought this sort of sense of life's too short, I suppose. And I don't think, you know, I'm not talking that people thought they are going to be struck by lightning or something, but this idea of why am I playing it safe? Why am I not um, really tarting up my bathroom like what you guys did with like steam showers or something? And, and why, why aren't I you know, making my house more fun um, and a bit more frivolous, I suppose. And I think that it was, I think it's, it's a benefit about what we've been through over the past two years that we became braver in the way we have approached our homes. Did you have that kind of mind shift? Yes, I did because I was sort of mid-renovation or mid-planning for a renovation just when COVID hit. And initially I was, I was also playing it quite safe and then in the end, I now have a house that's full of colour and a bit of um, madness and a bit of, um, you know, just a, a more playfulness than what I ever thought I would do because I just thought, I don't know, like how boring not to be like that. And I just, I, I really wanted my home to really reflect what I hope is the depth of character that I have, I suppose. So I, I really pushed the envelope further. And thankfully, I have a um, lovely husband who was also happy for me to have lots of pink and gold and you know, he indulged that side of me and allowed me to go a bit crazy. <laughs> Again, I think it's that idea that we were all living in this sort of suspended state of chaos pre-COVID and I mm. think that COVID really made us reassess and and live very differently and our homes have just become so incredibly important. Often not just one home, people have also then built other homes and they've then had made a tree in the sea change they've got a peter tear in the city they've then got a little place somewhere else a little investment property and and they're just if they can they're actually now having multiple homes to kind of really give them everything that they, their heart so desires and else you and your team at domain are there to help people through that journey of of offloading and and buying their their next and their extended properties what led you to be here at Domain? Like, what, what was your background that got you into real estate? Was it always oh, there? Well, no, it wasn't. Other than obviously, I lived in a home. I was lucky enough to live in a, in a lovely home growing up. Um, but I um, 
started as a journalist at a very young age. I started as at work experience at the Age newspaper in Melbourne. Um, I edited my first newspaper when I was eight years old called Chestnut Chatter because I oh, lived wow. in Chestnut Street. So oh, I was wow. an editor from the age of eight. Um, <laughs> but quite truly, I always knew I wanted to be a journalist um, and there was, I was, there was nothing wavering about that. So I started at the age and then I moved to Sydney to work in magazines in my 20s and then when my husband and I got married, we wanted to go and live in Europe. So we were um, naive enough to um, think we could go and live in France. So we, we could both go over there with work. So we did that. We moved to Paris, sort of thinking we'd go for a year or two. And we forgot to come home. So we ended up being away for 12 years um, and had most about 11, nine years, 10 years, sorry, in Paris and a couple of years in New York City also. But, but that was not the plan. And as I said, we, I, I arrived there without speaking a lick of French and just thinking, oh, how hard can it be? And it was awfully hard. <laughs> how hard can it be? <laughs> it was so hard. But we just had a really wonderful time there. We had our children over there and then one day we woke up and we used to come back to Australia every year for holidays and we've got three daughters but they couldn't walk along burnt concrete or they couldn't body surf or they hated Vegemite. And we realised that as divine as they were or are, that they were very French. And my husband and I, both being Australian, thought, oh, my gosh, <laughs> What are we going to do about this? So we ended up moving back to Australia. So that's a very long way of saying the job that took me back here, I've always worked as a journalist and an editor, was this was a role at Domain. There was a role open that I found while in Paris and I thought, oh, I'll just apply. I knew really not much about property other than that I knew what I loved, I knew how special places were and I suppose uh, – when I was in Paris, I got to interview some incredible architects and designers and always find myself in these amazing spaces and having access to the most incredible rooms. Um, but I didn't know much about the market. So I thought, I've got Buckley's chance of getting this job. But to cut a very long story short, I obviously made an impression on, on someone and I got the job. So we moved slowly back to Australia. I moved back first and then my husband and daughters moved back afterwards. And I've been at Domain since then. So that was about six years ago. And, yeah, it, it's been a really wonderful period because I think also in Australia, as I touched on, this is a nation obsessed with property. And I think probably my skill in my media career has been sort of being at the forefront of whatever – of whatever the national obsession is. So in Paris, it was fashion and food and design and it was the same in New York. So as much as I didn't know the property market, I really did have a true love for beautiful aesthetics and styling and, and creation, I suppose, which is to me what, what a home is. So you ended up back here working in Domain and, and you know, Mitch and I have used Domain for many years and this sounds like it's an advert, but Seriously, we used it all the time. We started um, flipping properties, you know, like, what, 16, 17 years ago. No, Mark, we started using Domain from the newspaper. I know. Yeah, yeah. So you you started the old school newspaper supplement and then you migrated to the app, obviously, but initially it was the newspaper. You're right. We used that always as our go-to. Um, so when we were involved first time on the block, and I think you guys were showing us, we were a bit like, yeah, we already know that we've already used it before. And it has seriously helped us cut down time to do our research. 
Uh, I think it's one of those things you don't know what you don't know when you start in property and then the more you sort of can dig into things like understanding data and understanding floor plans and maps and mm. and and there are so many wonderful features you can play with, it becomes quite addictive, doesn't it? And it's sort of hard to extract yourself out of it. I remember when we just bought the house that we're living in now, it took me sort of months to unwind from from being in the app all the time. I, can, I mean, it sounds absurd, but I just I sort of loved knowing what was happening in my neighbourhood, what else was coming on the market. I mean, it was almost a bit unhealthy, I suppose. My husband just said, so you, you need to let go now, Alice. It's over. <laughs> Stop <laughs> obsessing. Put the phone down. I don't know that it's ever over, though, is it? I think if you love no. property, it does sort of stay with you for quite some time. It does, but what I liked about it, and, and Mitch, and a lot of people have talked to us about property and what do you do, you said something before, Alice, you don't know what you don't know until you start looking. And I imagine for a lot of people when they start their journey with property, it's overwhelming because you don't know what you don't know and you don't know how to get the information. Yeah, that, that's right. And I think also when you work out what that you can extract information and sort of, and this is what I do, I'm, I'm not saying this is right, but this is what I do. I, I kind of customise it for myself. So I love looking at what recent sales are in an area, for example. I have an unhealthy obsession with that. Mm-hmm. Often what, you know, I wonder what they paid for that house that I love around the corner or something. So I always write down all that information um, and then sort of predictive what I think a house will go for and just because I, I just think it's so empowering that information it means as as resourceful as real estate agents are and they are but I think it's quite empowering to be able to know all that information yourself also to verify what you are being told well Alice I, I find when I'm talking to people about their property search and they might be looking in areas or, or region and um previously we were we were Sydney City and they would look Potts Point Elizabeth Bay Darling Darlinghurst, Rushcutters Bay, um, Woolloomooloo, and they and then they venture out to the next suburb out, and that's oh, I'm seeing better value in this other property here. You need to know the area so intimately, because even within a suburb, you're not comparing apples with apples. You really need to. Yeah, study, no, study. and and I think um, when you look at the affordability issues at the moment, mm. that that you know turning on the option of um search surrounding areas is such a way of entering a market that you yes. that you might be priced out of the market that you want to be in. But if you look exactly what you're saying, Mitch, that if you look one suburb back and, you know, in a bridesmaid suburb, um, it, that might not have re- sort of reached the value of the other suburb. And isn't that a great way to enter a market, that you sort of get the halo effect of being near that amazing place that you want? It is. I think in a way when we've talked to people about property and, and the property journey, I would always encourage when we've talked to people is think of it as a journey, not just one off, because you may need to look at those halo suburbs. I love that term, halo suburbs, or look at a different strategy and map out the next five to 10 years. And in fact, Mitch, that's what we did when we started doing uh, flips. We did it because we needed to get ahead financially. We We both Great jobs. We were in a situation where we needed to be able to build our own wealth. And we actually sat and said, let's say we're going to spend the next five years and our goal is to flip some properties. And then we reviewed it and went, let's do the next five years. So it was a property journey probably Mm. more than anything. And I, I would encourage anyone if they're looking at property 
Don't just go, it's just this one thing. I just have to have this one thing. You might need to do two or three to get that ideal one. So it is a journey. I, I think that's spot on. I think having a roadmap sort of when it comes to property is a really important piece. I mean, like living on a hill, for example, is wonderful for the view, but will that house, you know, suit if an owner, if they're going to downsize there and live there in their oldie, you know, in their sort of twilight years of life or something? Perhaps not. Not saying you two. Um, <laughs> please, but, <laughs> please, closer to twilight than some. And I think that's why things like, particularly for young home buyers, like um, like rent vesting and that. And and yes, it's not ideal or the great Australian dream not to be able to buy your own home. Rent your vesting. First home. I love these terms, Alice. They're amazing. Oh, but but they're great. wonderful, aren't they? Because that means you can sort of buy a property, get your foot in the door on that property ladder, but still live where you want to live and have the lifestyle that you want. Yes. By getting a but getting a place that's going to earn you some money, and then you know in five or ten years as your life changes, sell it if you or hold on to it ideally, and then put that into another asset or something. So there are always options, and I think it's a great thing for young Australians to do when they're feeling despondent by the state of affairs in Australia. Like it's, it's sort of a, when you are in the market, we do have a privilege that a lot of Australians don't have. So. Mm. I'm very cognizant of that and I think at Domain, we really, you know, not everybody does own a home but we would love, if they would like to, we'd love to help them sort of, you know, make that dream come into, into fruition. And I think I'm, I think Domain also has a number of articles you can actually search through and, and not just look at the data but I think there are articles and information where you can learn There's about these so strategies. much. And that, that's what, when people say, I don't know where to start, I just think you just need to hop on, start reading guides. How do I buy? How do I rent? How do I renovate? Whatever it is that you're fixating on, there is so much information. Um, but you really have to invest the time. And, yeah. and, you know, it's too big an investment not to, in my opinion. And, and speaking of investing, um, Alice, a lot of people buy their home and it's not exactly the way they want it. So they want to improve the home. In our case, a lot of them have been improved for for resale, um, for flipping. But I think that people often get confused with flipping and eventually selling because if people say, this is my home, I'm going to do it to suit me, chances are with a young family or or a couple, you're going to be in that house for five to seven years. Mm -hmm. So you are a flipper of sorts. You're just doing it slower. Mm -hmm. Um, so what are the things that you see with homes when people do them for themselves or do them to sell that actually can hinder the sale of a home that people need to be mindful of? Yes. I think it's I think it's when people do things that are hard to reverse and really we're talking structural things like, mm-hmm. you know, a lick of paint can easily be lifted. Even yep. a floor can be changed. But I think people feel a bit spooked when they walk into a house and think I'm going to have to reconfigure this whole floor plan or it's got – two less bedrooms than what I actually need or it's only got one loo when I need three or something. So I think it's a lot of it about structurally and I think that's why it's also important to research the area that you're buying in and and we see this on the block every season where some contestants come in and they kind of create a house that suits them even though they may be in a family market or they may be in a downsizer market. They make a house with, you know, way too many bedrooms for what, what the market in that area wants for example. So I think it's really important to understand the area that you're living in and are you the demographic of that area? And if so, and that means looking at other houses, you know, sticky beaking around anything else on the market to understand what it is that you're sort of um, creating your home 
amongst, I suppose. Um, but I, I'm quite relaxed around, as I said, paint and stuff like that. I, I do think that's easily replaced if people want to be bold and kind of crazy. Um, although I, I don't, I don't like too crazy. I kind of enjoy, I, I enjoy sort of crazy restraint, I suppose. So I, ju- I think things that can be easily reconfigured if need be, and that's why, like, if you do have an extra bedroom, that could easily become a study if, a, if a buyer wants it doesn't need an extra bedroom, for example. But having an extra three bedrooms is just one to me, just too many that it's very hard to live without knocking out all the walls and having to effectively start again. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, I suppose we look at the, the, the most recent block, um, and this is without any disrespect at all because they, they did very well at auction, but Vito, Vito, Tanya and Vito did the sunken lounge and they actually did presented a three-bedroom home where others were four bedrooms and the sunken lounge as well as a, a built-in bunk and a bedroom, which suited them and it obviously suited the buyer. But if you were in the open market, the sunken lounge, whether it could be a love or a hate thing. So- I think a lot of um- – I, for me personally, I believe part of that success can be attributed to the fact of the sort of the block mm. gold dust that was yes. sprinkled over all those those five beautiful properties that mm. helped because I, I still quite staunchly believe that if you had a three-bedroom home with a sunken lounge, which most people with children makes their skin crawl, the idea – or, you know, like toddlers and that. Yes, <laughs> like yes. Stairs and up and down. Um you know, if that was around the corner, it didn't have any of the sort of whiz-bang block effect to it. Would it have sold like that? I, I don't think it would have because I do think Hampton is an incredibly family-friendly suburb. I mean, you guys saw that yourself with the house by I think you were so clever at pulling in these emotional buyers, you know, particularly in your front garden did that so beautifully. Mm-hmm. And inside it just felt like such a warm, embracing family home that – I think that really tapped into what that suburb being Hampton does so well. I think it's interesting, you know, Alice, talking about that, but as an example of what we've just been talking about. So for people listening, that research, you know, we didn't know Hampton. We're based in Sydney. When we got down there, we walked around the suburb and looked at houses and we looked at the facades and the gardens. And then we also spoke to the neighbours. So we had... Mm a neighbour between us and Tanya and Vito's house. And that's really challenging for her. It's so important to work with your neighbours and make sure that you bring them on that journey because you're going to impact them. But she was able to give us information about how people lived in the cul-de-sac. And we did the same with Nicole Jacobs as one of the buyer's advocates, Mm. but she lived there. Who had lived there, yeah. Had lived there and we talked and asked questions and then said, how can we reflect that in the property? We got lucky. We got so lucky. But we did approach that. We also understood that Hampton is one of those suburbs with multiple pluses and a few negatives, and where the area of Hampton we're in was not necessarily the, the most uh, valuable part of Hampton. So we had to pack a lot of punch into the house. 
I think that can be it's a great thing for buyers to think about buying in areas that might not be um, you know the best street in the suburb yes. but if you can then make the house just shine you're you're a living breathing example yeah. look what can happen when you do that so think- and it does make it's often more affordable to buy that on the lesser street and if you are to me, property, buying property is all about compromise. It's like, what are you willing to compromise on? Is it location? Is it the price? Um, is it the style of the house? You know, is it a unit or a townhouse? Or are you saying, I have to have a house or whatever it is? But it's all about compromise. And, and I think that the block can teach so much, you know, and, and, and people need to take from it whatever it is appropriate to their own life. Like, not everybody can have access to creating a house that sells for, you know, over $3 million, you know, all next door to each other on the same day, obviously. But there is, I think, the way that you guys all, and not not just you both, but every year the teams think about floor plans and put so much consideration into light and how many bathrooms do we want and what sort of kitchen do we want. Because it's things like that that people, when you walk through a house, you think, why does this house feel right? And usually it's because the floor plan is really well considered or that they've thought about the joinery in the kitchen and where to push, and you two are particularly good at this, you know, where to put all the right bits and bobs and how do people live in this home. And until you've done it yourself, you don't really know. You just take it for granted and think this house feels great. But we know there is a lot of detail and work that goes into making that sausage that on the day just turns out to be quite incredible. It's funny, I often speak about the the aspects of a home that people don't notice. Um, it could be a slightly stepped-up corner of a room where there's a big pot with a plant in it. They actually don't notice that, but it gives the overall – it gives a yes. feel. So yes. There's, yes. there's bits that you add to a home that give a feel yes. that don't have to be a feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if it wasn't there, they would think something's not right here. Yes. Don't you think? Like, you yeah. know how you can sometimes you can feel like there's a hole in a home? And what I mean is those spa- people, like the spaces just feel sort of strange or something. And I think it's being really clever. And, again, it's not about lots of money. It's about being clever. And, you know, and if you can't get professional help to do it, but just think and experiment and spend hours on Pinterest looking at, at yes. what good design is and, and, and how it's employed. It's like those women used to see when you lived in Paris, walking around Paris, and you couldn't quite pinpoint what it was, but something about them was just fabulous. Know, amazing. And it was just right. And the way that they could just tie their scarf the right way. And again, it wasn't about having an Hermes scarf or something. It was just this sort of innate sense of things were just so. Um, yes. There was, there was this agree. particular style. It's, it's kind of like it's that subconscious awareness of what's happening in the space. You you realise yes. it's there or it's not there without realising that it's there, but it affects you emotionally. It affects your yes. feeling. In I love space. it. It gets me so excited. I love it. It's one, but, but I do think people have to be quite experimental too. As I said, you, you have to just sort of think, oh, well, again, we're not saving lives. Let me just try it. Yes. I'll, move, I'll move the room around. I'll, I'll flip the rooms around. I'll put some big plants here and see what happens. And if it doesn't feel right, okay, you gave it a go. Keep working at it. Alice, I'm, I'm, I guess a question that I've got in my mind and I've never quite worked it out, we are a country obsessed with property in a different way than maybe, you know, in New York where you've lived, Mitch's Paris. to Paris, people renting. There's a different philosophy. Why are we like that? What is it about us that drives that? Because that also drives, you know, there are generations, younger generations now who are who are struggling and feeling like they can't get into property. Why are we like this? A lot of it, it's that Australia was sort of, and still is, the land of opportunity. And I think that we don't have the baggage of 
of what a lot of other sort of places in the northern hemisphere have and this idea that you could come out here particularly during the migration booms and you could afford a house and land which was to most people everything I mean it was just it's you know and the French can never sort of understand how I suppose how lucky so many Australians are to have access to that and I think that it's become such a part of our DNA now that um, we want our children to have that, we want our children's children to have access to that. And I think home ownership is, I, I think also it's talked to the simplicity of life here and how important family and friends and the beating heart of a place is in Australia, that people love entertaining. You know, I think dinner parties are such a part of life here mm. or people coming over for a barbie or a glass of wine or a cup of tea and everything happens at that epicentre, which is one's home, I suppose. But, yeah, I, I think it was just the accessibility of what housing used to be like in Australia made it something for everybody and now we're in this sort of difficult phase mm. where, due to affordability issues, it's no longer something for everybody, even though most of us feel it should be. Do you think that will change back or will it always be? Are are we in a new phase where accessibility will always be different for the next generations? I I think we have to really evolve our thinking. Like I think we have to potentially assess the way that, you know, at the moment being a renter is really hard work. You can't you can't do as much as you'd like to when you rent a property in Australia and you can't get a long-term lease in Australia and renting can be a bit of a dirty word. Mm. And I think in other countries, you know, like in, in Paris, I started, you know, you can, you can renovate your whole kitchen, you can paint your apartment, you can knock down walls, you can do whatever and you get a five-year lease. Um, so it gives people this sort of wonderful sense of, of ownership of something, which I think just psychologically is so important. It makes me feel really upset that people don't feel that sense of belonging in parts of Australia, irrespective if they own a house or not. To me, you know, it, you shouldn't have to own a house to feel connected and like this is my, this is my, you know, abode. Um, so I think we need to make renting fairer, I suppose, for tenants, I suppose. And I think we need to look at you know, even rules around stamp duty that, that make it so prohibitive to be able to move. Like, is it, it's that's mu- really hard. Like, your situation changes. You have a baby or you get divorced or whatever happens and you need more space or need less space. To buy and sell in Australia because of stamp duty laws is is really, really tough. Isn't it amazing because you don't hear, um, having lived in the US for quite a bit of time, when our, when our kids were little, interestingly, um, but... Over there, people, particularly in the cities, you don't hear people say, oh, oh no, I don't own, I'm only renting. Mm-hmm. Here, no matter where you are, if you are not an owner, the conversation comes up, which it doesn't come up over there. Yeah. Do you own or do you rent? Oh, no, I only rent. It's almost like mm-hmm. an apology. It's not good enough. You're paying a bomb. It's like it, an it, apology. It is, yes. And people are, it's like somebody is saying, I'm so sorry, I'm not good enough. I don't own, I only rent. And yet, we've spoken to a few people about this, we do have a couple of properties that we lease out. Mm. The relationship between a landlord and a tenant is so dynamic. Like if you, we have some, we've got great tenants. We would so keep lucky. them. And when COVID started, we actually went to our real estate agent and before anything came up and said, if our tenant needs assistance, if something happens, tell them we will do that. We love having you here. Mm. And I think mm. the relationship has to be not combative. You actually have to see that it's symbiotic. You, you well, and I think, 
Oh, that's absolutely right. And I think you can see that you you both obviously have great respect for those tenants and obviously that would go vice versa. I mean, to me, what goes around comes around. So I think if you don't treat people with respect and kindness, <laughs> it usually comes back to bite you, doesn't it? So I think yes. I think we need more of that philosophy around it and not feeling like these people are sort of, you know, because everybody goes through phases in their life where they do rent and it, it, it can be a fantastic option, a way of experimenting, way of trying a new location, a way of trying a new lifestyle without committing to it initially. Now, I wanted to also ask something. People are used to seeing you on the block and it is one of the obsessions of Australian TV. People love it. People love the block so much and and you bring in that whole property, remember this is real estate, remember you need to sell sell this at the end of the show and you come and see all the stuff that we're doing when we're crazy and when people are in distress. Your own renovation, how how was that experience compared to what you see on the block? Did, did it you learn anything from your own renovation? Well, I learned that I, my expectations were way too high and in reality I had to really temper them down a lot because, I, <laughs> you know, you, you watch what happens on the block and there's there's just the, the, the momentum that the block has is kind of infectious mm. and, and I, it's not about even budgets or massive teams because in reality you know how hard you have to work on the block. Like it is so yes. much blood, sweat, and tears. So yes. it's not it's it's not it's not smoke and mirrors, but it's more that it's the momentum and energy of we can do this, we yes. can do this. Um, and again, it goes back to that thing we talked about at the start, sort of bravery and being plucky. I suppose that we bought a house that was sort of like something that Charles Dickens would have lived in. Like it had an old arger in the kitchen, and oh wow, it it had no carpet, no heating, no cooling. In it Melbourne, it was just in Melbourne. No heating. A very old rambling weather board house. No, let's say that again, no heating. Um, and it was just, it hadn't been touched for, for decades, which is probably why no one else wanted to buy it. So we, th- we thought, oh, yes, we'll renovate it straight away or we'll move in and fix it. And then, of course, the more you sort of start pulling things back in a house and layers back, the more the, the eye-watering expenses start adding up of, oh, my gosh, Mm-hmm. Another beam is needed there, which is the most boring cost that you could ever have because yes. no one sees a beam. Like every time I hear a beam, I'm like, no. Exposed beams, beam. exposed beams. <laughs> Great, you yeah. love it. Yeah. But, you know, that's just, so, it's interesting. It's just so true because there is the romance of the older building, oh. but you have to be prepared that it's the foundation and preparation work. You know, you walk into a beautiful old building and the plaster is gorgeous and somebody started beautifully, but the actual cost to get there is behind all of that and it's so much hard work so I think you have to feel really quite passionate about old houses I do and I and I kind of like the quirkiness and and deep character of old houses so I was quite determined not to sort of go out and up and reconfigure I wanted to reconfigure the footprint that we had um, and we didn't have a massive budget, so we kind of were very clever around it and took a more quality over quantity approach um, and worked with an amazing interior architect to sort of get the space correct. And I, I suppose my skill, when you said at the start, I'm not going to end up on the block anytime soon, I'm definitely not, but my skill is I'm very good at um, finding the best people to do the job, I suppose. I'm good at sort of finding the right name or the right person to, to do the work. So, Alice, we've been talking about where we're at. What's coming next? What's going to happen in the real estate world? Is it, Look, is it going to burst? Is it going sure, to or would you be ready for? 
What, yeah, what you I'll, I'll get my crystal ball out, <laughs> shall I? Because I yes. feel like a bit like I'm asked to be Nostradamus sometimes. Look, I think <laughs> we're going to see. Um, I think we're going to see in encouraging this, particularly for first time buyers, a more moderate market. I think no one anticipated what we have seen, and and I, I don't think. I mean, I never say never, but I can't imagine seeing like the growth of what we've seen again going forward. You know, in Sydney, we've seen houses go up over eleven hundred dollars a day for the past year. I mean, mm. they're just that's just beggar's belief. Yeah, <laughs> so what does that crystal ball say? So I think we're going to see more moderate um, price growth this year. I think we can pretty much guarantee that interest r- rates will rise. It's a matter of when at the moment. And now people are actually saying it could even be as soon as June. Um, and the RBA is, you know, really managing our expectations. And I think it is going to be sooner than later. Um, and I don't think that is a bad thing because I think it will help sort of keep prices a little bit more moderate. And I do think it will also you know, we have to remember that interest rates are still at historical lows, that even if they go up a few times, I know I know it hurts people to hear that, but it's still going to be exceptionally low compared to what they were like decades ago. And I think also people have got savings from that period in COVID that they'll probably be able to withstand the buffer a lot of the time and still hopefully they were sort of frugal enough to be able to, you know, add that into their homes and that. But I think we'll keep seeing a resurgence in um, regional Australia. I think I don't see that going anytime soon. But I also think our cities will sort of um, come back to life a little bit. And I think people who did make that trans change are now thinking, how am I going to manage it now that my employer is saying come back to the office two or three days a week? Yes. Am I okay with having to go into the city for medical appointments you know, and I've got to get my knee done now, what happened? You know, like it felt like a good idea at the time, but there's a reality that comes with that uh, that I think people are weighing up. Yes. Alice, you're talking about your renovation and that you know how to get people to do things. So renovations to me, project management is the big thing. We've often talked to people and we've written some articles that, and you see it on the block, and I think, you know, outside of all the entertainment value of the block, when you really look at what enables somebody to do a room in a week, and you don't do that real work, it's project management that is mm-hmm. the key to this. Is mm-hmm. that is is that your experience? I guess that's your experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think planning and researching. I am still amazed that when I see some contestants arrive at the block without having thought deeply around their aesthetic or or just about about the property in general they're really they're coming in really cold it's like guys what were you what were you thinking here um that amazes me that people don't i think that that i I should sort of make up a little ratio or something but i'm i've convinced like for every 12 hours you spend thinking around one room you get back in spades i mean you guys are actually living breathing examples of that of how much you know every week you went into it you, you you were fastidiously meticulous around Everything, weren't you, in, in we organisation, planning, the arrival and, and that sort of thing. I think that's absolutely crucial. I guess from our perspective, it's been so wonderful to have had the experience working on the block and working with you. Um, we've been very lucky that we've won the domain buyer's choice in the two seasons we went to. So we felt like there was something we were doing mm-hmm. where we understood maybe the market mm. and what they were doing. So we've been very, very fortunate. And isn't that great to get that feedback sort of mid-series, mid, mid, mid series, I suppose? Like 
I always think you, you always look you all look so alive the night of those buyers juries because you can just see that finally you can able to fling open the doors and say what do people think of it and but I think sometimes contestants aren't as aren't as sort of open to feedback um and you know you you used to all just sort of like you know, pour over the information that you heard, and rightly so, because they're the people who end up buying your house down the track. Well, Alice, we have asked you a million questions, and thank you so much for um, sharing not only your um, experience um, with uh, real estate through Domain, but also the life experience through travelling overseas. I'm thinking while I'm sitting here, wow, you know what? We're getting we're you know, we're, we're getting older. Um, but but you it's only not, just but, realized but, that. No, but it's not over. And I and I thought, you know, we could just freeze everything yep. next year next year and just say, let's go and live in Paris for a year. Yeah. And, and and not die wondering what it'd be like to live in Paris for a year. Oh, are we gonna do that? I don't know, but oh, we can right. do anything. We can but do you anything. could. And I think it's about doing things in bite-sized pieces, like maybe True. not saying we're going to go and move there for 12 years, but you could say, why don't we yeah. just go there for three months, yeah. like go yeah. there for the summer it's or the true. Northern Hemisphere summer, yeah. and then see what happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and in these days you could also, if you do end up staying, you can say to a great pal, gosh, can you style the house? We're going to sell it over there. You know, you can do anything. You can, yeah. and, we and can I think do COVID the block has, Paris. The block yeah. Paris. Yes. Why don't, why don't we pitch it? <laughs> I think we should pitch that. The block Paris. There you go. So, Alice, I um, I, th- I I would love to offer you the opportunity, but of course, I don't tell anyone before I offer them the opportunity in case they plan for it. But to ask us any question you like related to renovation or, or anything personal life or whatever. Oh, I love that opportunity. Oh, I'm a journalist, so I've oh, always got questions. Exactly. That's what worries me. Damn. I want to know because I think it's very hard to sort of explain this. But how how do you make a house a home? Well, what is your skill in making a house a home so it goes from being four bedrooms on paper to making it have that sort of je ne sais quoi? Even Thank when you. I look at your socials, I can see that it just feels like you choose it. What is your secret power in doing that? My secret is Mitch. Mm. Well, no, Mark's understanding of space allows allows us to to know what's going to fit right, and and there and that's one of the unseen things that that we spoke mm. about earlier. The things you don't see, maybe in summary, is the way we approach it. There's the invisible that you need to consider, which is the space and how people move through space. And I find that really interesting. To me, that's what I'm fascinated about when you look at a room because you can throw lots of stuff at it, and people mm. can get lots of furniture and lots of stuff and throw, throw, throw. But you actually want to go, how does somebody move through this space and how do they live? And then Mitch does, how do you want it mm. to feel? And he does the decor. And and the other thing, the last thing we will always do is stand back and do what Coco Chanel did. Said, when you get dressed, look in the mirror and take one thing off because sometimes you over-accessorize, sometimes you overdo it. So stand and go, is there something here that I've put because I love it, but it actually doesn't is not necessary. It doesn't mm. add anything and take it away. And I think that's probably how we look at it, space and styling. You've both got the best of both worlds and what you bring to the way you approach these projects, aren't you? Like you're both finding each other. It's probably one of your greatest successes in life, clearly yes. emotionally in, in terms yes. of love, yes. but also practically in doing what you are now doing because you sort of just balance each other really quite harmoniously. Yeah, I think it, it works. Mark well, stops me being too much. <laughs> no, stop it, Mitchy. Never such a thing as too much. Never such. And I've got a thing one more question much. because there's two of you. Um, 
or if you weren't living in this lovely house, well, what will be an amazing house in Newport? Where would you be living if you were going to wake up one day and feel incredibly brave? Where would you be? Anywhere wow. in the world. Any- I've sorted out your visas. I've bought you a first class ticket somewhere. Oh, my where, God. where would you be hanging your hat? I, and it could be Newport. It could be New. I, we love being here in Newport. Love it. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is Paris, but I don't speak French, so that would be really difficult. Well, I've proven that, that you can get around that by just learning so it quickly that's, through that's blood, true. sweat, and tears. But we, but I don't know. It's just how I, Austra- we love Australia, and I love. Mm. We're spending two months in, in Europe this year um, for a holiday, um, and a month of that will be in, will be in Mykonos, and we do a little bit of the party thing, but it's mainly just. We just love just being there, um, engrossed in the Mykonian Mikon- life, and I, and Sounds I, Mykonos just just is a real happy place. Yes, yeah. So I, I could I could spend the three months of summer in Mykonos, just scootering to a beach. Getting to know more, becoming a local. Maybe a little villa in Mykonos then. A little villa in Mykonos, right. but yeah. I would have to say, when you think about it, where we are now with this house. When we renovate this, we look out over the water. It's it's magic. It is magical. Mm. And mm. we are very lucky to live here. This is beautiful. Well, that is lovely. I'm very glad to hear that because we are lovely. exceptionally lucky in this country. We are sure so are. lucky. Alice Dots, thank you so much. It's always fabulous to catch up with you. you. You're a wealth of knowledge, but you're a delight and you have wonderful, wonderful stories. I think it would be lovely if we can ask that maybe in a few months' time we might touch base with you again about what's happening with property because things are so dynamic and we would be so curious to, to just be tracking along where you where you where domain yeah, things, it'd be things a pleasure. are going yeah and we can see if i was right i mean who knows what could happen in a few months at the moment in the world do you know what i mean like True. we could <laughs> we could True. i might have to unwind everything i just said so let's let's see i'm happy to be held to account <laughs> thank you so much Alice. Stop. thank you so much thank Alice. you for having Alice. me thank you so Great much chatting. that was amazing a lot of information to take in monkey i'm inspired the real estate but also i like the idea of living in paris for a while well living in paris would be great what i do really like alice like us thought at the beginning of covid property was going to go down and it didn't it went up so it was interesting to get her insights you know retrospectively saying of course people are sitting at home they're going to invest in their property but i also like the fact that she talked about you know for young people people starting in the property market there's a bit of a long-term plan just get into the market and that investing rent rent vesters, isn't it? People who are buying rent vesters. Yeah. So you might buy in a, a market or in a, a town that you don't live in, but you're investing so you can then sell and use it later to maybe get property you really want. This is a continually moving feast, this real estate game, Mark, and I would love to um, get Alice on regularly. Let's sort of call it living next door to Alice. Yes. Talking over the back fence, find out what's going on. I think, wouldn't that be great to live next door to Alice? She would have everything. So... We're going to get Alice back regularly. She said that she would love to do that. It would be wonderful too for listeners. If you have a question about property, email us at inquiries at bitchandmark.com and we'll see if we can get the answer for you or we might just save it up for the next time we talk to Alice. Well, that's it for us for this week, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please give us feedback. And Mark, where can they find us? You can find us at Spotify iTunes, Acast, or wherever you get your podcast from, we'll be there. We've got some interesting stuff coming up next week. See you then.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.